0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 and 15 through 18, which you've already heard and I will be reading in order throughout the sermon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today's the last Sunday of Christmas. And while tomorrow is Epiphany and we continue when the first Gentiles, the wise men, came and worshipped the Lord... We have to admit the gifts have been opened and soon we'll put away the decorations. Christmas is winding down. Let us never forget that every Sunday we celebrate the incarnation of our Lord. So it's not that Christmas ever goes away, but it's winding down. And our sermon theme for today is, as, Christmas, as our Christmas celebration winds down, praise the Lord for electing you to his grace and pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so the apostle says in verse three, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the sphere of every spiritual blessing in the sphere of heavenly matters in the sphere of Christ, literally listing in Greek like layers, this fence, this fence, this fence. He's blessed us in every spiritual blessing. See, the things this world thinks of as a blessing may not be a blessing that lasts for eternity. Many of us, if God, for example, were to give us the worldly blessing of wealth, it would cost us our eternity because we would allow it to be our God. So God has blessed us with the spiritual blessings, the things that are eternal, the things that truly matter, not the temporal things of this world. Even the blessings of this world are meant to serve those eternal things. And he says in the sphere of the heavenly matters... These are the things that come from the throne of God. You are blessed from the throne of God. He's ruling over creation for you and the outer layer in the sphere of Christ. These blessings only come to us from Christ. Oh, yes, God certainly gives employment to the unbeliever as he does the believer and sends rain on the unbeliever's land as he does onto the believer's land. But brothers and sisters in Christ, all the eternal blessings, all the blessings that truly matter in this life only come through Christ, who took on human flesh to be our substitute, to keep the law in our place, to rise and to adopt us, therefore, as God's children. Many people say we're all working for the same thing and there should be no difference between religions. But the truth of the matter is, The true Christianity teaches that salvation is a free gift, not something you earn. And that's what makes true Christianity different from all other religions. And that only comes because Christ, true God who became true man, earned it for you. And so we're told in verse 4, insofar as he has elected us, For himself in the sphere of Christ before the foundation of the universe in order for us to be holy and blameless in his judgment in the sphere of love by having predestined us for adoptions as sons to him through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will for the praise of his glorious grace which he gave us as an undeserved gift in the sphere of the one who has been beloved. A lot is said there and I could preach on these verse for weeks but I'm going to do it in a couple of minutes. He elected us for himself. God called us out for himself. But again, he says that only in Christ. It's only through the grace that comes in God, having taken on our human flesh, being our substitute and paying for our sins and the sins of the whole entire world. And when did God do this? Before the foundation of the universe. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the most work-righteous doctrines that Christians accidentally teach is the teaching that you have to make a decision for Christ, and then you're saved. That puts salvation in your hands. But if God chose you before the foundation of the world, before time existed, thousands and thousands of years before your parents ever even looked each other into the eye, who really chose who? This is tremendously comforting, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our sinful nature looks at it the wrong way. It starts saying, but, 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 and why, 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 why? It's pure good news of salvation. Before God said, let there be light, He planned to make sure that you would hear the good news of salvation, that His Holy Spirit would enter through that good news of salvation, so that you would receive the one who is the good news, the blood of Jesus Christ, and be kept in your faith. I often worry, what if I fall into one of those sins where I can drive the Holy Spirit out of my heart? What a comfort it is to hear the doctrine of election. God literally planned creation around your being brought to and kept in the faith. And he explains exactly what that is in order for us to be holy and blameless in his judgment. How do you become holy and blameless? Not in the world's judgment, And in our own eyes, we know that we're sinners in His judgment because you have been given the blood of the Lamb. Jesus was holy and blameless in your place, and you've been credited with that. And as He continues on in the sphere of love by having predestined us for adoption as sons to Him through Jesus Christ. One of the big but, 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 why, why, why's that we ask instead of enjoying the comfort of the doctrine of predestination is we say, but why me and not others? Now, if you're concerned about your neighbor, God's answer to you is, then share my life-saving word with them. I've called you to do that. So if you're worried about why me and not my neighbor, share the word with your neighbor. Why you? People say, well, maybe, maybe God saw that I would resist the word a little less. That's not what we're told at all. Predestined marked you out only in Christ. Only in God's love. Not that you and I were so lovable. I'm just as sinful as any unbeliever. But simply out of God's grace. Years ago, I watched a documentary on the crash that led to the 1930s, the Depression. And in that documentary, a man was talking about in the, in the late 20s, he was a shoeshine boy and, and, and one, uh, what was it, before the busy place where a lot of the uh, stock market uh, exchanges go along. And he always talked about, he talked in his interview about a very wealthy man who would come in and he would pass out dimes among the children who were out on the street. Now, he didn't owe him anything. He was doing this generously. And in those days, a dime meant a lot more than it does now. And this guy who was a shine boy, he watched from a distance, but he couldn't abandon his job to run out and try to get a free dime. But can you say it was unfair that that man never came and gave the shoeshine boy a dime? No. It was that man's money in the first place. He didn't have to give it out at all. We want to scream that election's unfair, predestination's unfair. And one thing we have to understand, Scripture says that God wants all men to be saved. So Scripture never, ever says that God predestined people to hell. It defies logic. God did predestine you to heaven, but he didn't predestine anybody to hell. That defies logic. That takes faith because Scripture never says God predestined anyone to hell. However, as we start to say it's unfair, it, we've got to be honest. If God's going to be fair, then every one of us goes to hell. Because every human being minus his son has sinned. And so we have this wonderful comfort in this predestination because we've been adopted as sons to him. Now, again, women... In the days that the scriptures were written, women didn't have the legal rights. Their inheritance came through their husband. So here we don't translate we've been adopted as sons and daughters because it's emphasizing again that you have an equal footing. You have the full legal rights. An amazing thing. God predestined both men and women to have the full legal rights, the full inheritance of all those blessings, of the, the spiritual blessings and heavenly matters that all come in Christ. And, and we're told, why did He do this? According to the good pleasure of His will. Not because you or I were so lovable or that we would sin a little less. It simply was according to God. It's a mystery to us why. And if we speculate on the why, we will be working against the Word of God. It is God's will. And we thank the Lord for it. And why did he predestine you? Obviously for salvation, but in verse 6, the apostle Paul says, for the praise of his glorious grace. Predestination, salvation, it's all God's grace. It's all a gift received at Christ's expense who took on our human flesh to win this gift for us. And we're told which he gave us as an undeserved gift. Once again, in the sphere of the one who has been beloved in Jesus All these blessings never come outside of Christ. And so as our Christmas celebration winds down, praise the Lord for electing you to his grace. God has said, I have planned out your salvation and I keep you in my hands. And that is comforting because the devil's always attacking us. Don't kid yourself. What tremendous comfort and what a reason to praise God. Now in the verses between verses six and 15, the Apostle Paul spells out what it means that for the praise of his glorious grace. And when we read the whole letter to the Ephesians, it becomes clear that a messenger from Ephesus had come. His name was Tychicus. And he had shared how, remember, Paul actually was the one God used to bring the word of salvation to the Ephesians. So he knows they're believers. But Tychicus had shared with them how the fruits of their faith are shining through. And so we arrive at the second part of our sermon at verse 15. For this reason, even I, after I heard about, in a very literal translation of the Greek, which is very bad English, the faith in line with you guys in the Lord Jesus. Now, we translate into smooth English by saying your faith, talking about the people of Ephesus, the Christians. But it's not just that they're trusting in Jesus. More is stated here, which doesn't translate well into English, each Individual person that formed the Christian community, the congregation of Ephesus, each individual Christian, not just believed Jesus was the Savior, but because of that they had the fruits of the faith. They shone with the love and with the grace that clung to Him and the forgiveness of sins, so that a collective whole, the congregation, shone out like a beautiful white wedding dress, like a royal diadem. That faith they had in the Lord Jesus and all the fruits that come with it. And so he adds to that and the love. again, the way it's emphasized in the Greek, we could translate in English, especially the love towards all the saints. The Greek word used there literally holy. You and I and everyone who believes in Jesus is a saint. We are holy in Christ. Paul gives thanks to find out that their faith, they're they're willing, they're boldly willing to share the need for a Savior and a Savior has come and they show love. Now, we get confused. It happens almost every week. I have one or two people call me with a sad story like, I've fallen behind on my rent. I've never stepped foot in your church. And if we're going to be honest, I am never going to step foot in your church. Uh, But I'm calling you to ask you if your church will just give me $2,000 to pay my rent. And by the way, it'll never dawn on me, even if you say it bluntly, that maybe I could come and pay that forward and help rebuild that fund. Oh, no. And when you explain to them silver and gold, I have none. But what I have is what you truly need. I have the good news of salvation. They get mad. Christians are supposed to show love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the way you show love to an unbeliever is by sharing with them their sin. They need to see that they are, like you and I, unholy. And we don't do it to be a Pharisee, I'm better than you. We don't do it just to browbeat them down, center, 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 and grind them under our boot heel. We do it so that they can see they are in mortal peril, eternal peril. But then, when they, like the like the publican who beats their chest and says, what can I do, Lord have mercy on me, then you and I show love by showing them their Savior. God took on human flesh for you. So this is how we show love to unbelievers. Now, recall in almost all of Paul's epistles, he always has to deal with the fact that there were Christians who had been Jewish by birth, and they had all, they had the Old Testament and all the traditions and, and ceremonial and, and laws that were all the point to the coming Savior, and then he dealt with the Gentiles who had, did not have all of that background. And lots of times in his letters you have a problem where the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians are misunderstanding each other. But here he's complimenting the Ephesians. They show love to all Christians. Both believers and unbelievers. How do we show God's love? And it's God's love that's been poured into our hearts. We, we've already covered how we show it to unbelievers. How do we show it with believers? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're family. If you, even if you're a woman, are a son, have the full rights of sons, and I have the full right of a son, we, and I'll say here, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, as family, I don't mean that we treat each other the way I did my two older sisters and torment and pick fights with them. We love each other. We encourage each other. We, when, when it's needed, we show each other our sin when we're embracing that sin so that we can warn each other and we show each other without hesitating the forgiveness of Christ. We work together. We're family. And Paul has heard from Tychicus that the Ephesians are really showing that gift of love, especially to Christians. And let's not forget in those days as you had evangelists that would come through from, from like the Jerusalem church, that they would then host them and support the ministry God had called them to. Paul continues, I do not stop giving thanks concerning you guys on the occasion of making my prayers. In other words, whenever I pray to God, I give thanks for what he's done, the gifts he's given you guys. And he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the Father of glory would give to you guys a spirit of wisdom and revelation in complete knowledge of him. Again, I could preach an entire sermon on that verse. God's wisdom is not the wisdom of the world. We mentioned with predestination, the world's logic is if God predestined believers to heaven, then he must have predestined unbelievers to hell. But that's never what the scripture says. God's wisdom is different than the world's wisdom. God's wisdom is he's the one who actually made everything. He's not subject to sin and its impact. So he's saying here, I pray that God's wisdom continues to to grow with you. And revelation here, he's talking about fully understanding. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, he inspired, God inspired men like Paul to reveal to us God's Word, and, and he wrote it. But for you and I, we study that Word. This is how we get the wisdom. And really, revelation often is understanding how God's will is at work in our lives. Seeing God's hand at work, even when the world can't see it, seeing God's hand at work. Ah, God's allowing crosses on my neighbor who's an unbeliever. And my neighbor's starting to ask me questions. I can see God's working so that now he's prepared the right opportunity for me to share with them God's love. He continues in complete knowledge of him. Not just a knowledge that says, you know, once a year I used my parents used to make me go to church, once a year I'll go to Christmas worship. A complete knowledge in Him means being able to be in His Word, again, to be able to fully recognize His work and see how His Word applies and see that we're not misapplying His Word. This is a fruit that comes out of faith that comes from being in the Word. And he continues in verse 18, Since the eyes of you guys, plural, heart, singular, have been enlightened, resulting in you guys perceiving what is the hope of his call, what is the wealth of glory of his inheritance in the saints. Wow. We know, we think of the heart as the seat of emotion. Science has shown that's done in the brain. But they also thought of the heart as the seat of thought being able to see in our life and keep our eyes focused on Christ on the cross, off the cross, the tomb empty, and heaven. The Ephesians' heart had been enlightened. Your hearts have been enlightened, resulting in you perceive what is the hope of his call. Now, you've heard me say many times, the world idea of hope is, boy, I've never bought a lottery ticket, but I sure hope I buy, I win the lottery. I expect that that's not going to happen. Christian hope is knowing what God has promised you and confidently expecting it. It's not a if God does it, it's waiting for when. God is going to do it, we're just waiting. And His call, this is the whole point of, of His electing you, of His predestining you. He called you to receive that space before His throne. He called you to know that your sins are forgiven, that you, that He's got you in your hands, and obviously, He's called you to have that glorified body when Christ returns and the new heavens and the new earth. And he says, what is the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? We have this inheritance among us now because we can tell each other our sins are forgiven and Christ is using our mouths to tell each other that. When you tell somebody, a brother or sister in Christ, their sins are forgiven, Christ is using you. You're his messenger. We have the inheritance of knowing God predestined us and that he has literally planned all of creation to make sure we land safely with faith before his heavenly throne. Not the world's glory of inheritance, which fades and falls, but that eternal inheritance. You and I are eternally alive in Christ now and will be forever. And so, yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Next Sunday we will pack away our church decorations. Many of us have already done it in our home. The gifts are gone. But we continue to rejoice that God took on human flesh. And so as our Christmas celebration winds down and we start building towards that Easter celebration, praise the Lord for electing you to his grace and praise him for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. Since this text was about prayer, let us conclude our sermon with that prayer. We praise you, God, our Heavenly Father, for electing us to the adoption of sons through the saving work of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and for sending your Holy Spirit to create and sustain faith in our hearts through your word. We ask you to bless our congregation so that the individual members' fruits of faith become a collective blessing in which our congregation as a whole shines out in this dark world with your love and wisdom. Amen.